Otherwise on SAFM. Very good Friday to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Friday's edition of Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. My producer is Hazel Makuzeni, and our technical producer for today is Luanda Mafiana. Interior designer Andrea Kleinloch discusses Deco trends for 2015 as featured in the Sunday Times essay Homeowner Special Edition. The actress, satirist, and, and vocal historian Masilo Madonna pays a live tribute to South African music in her recital of Ngilo Ngilo. Renowned gardening author Jane Griffiths helps us plan our garden for winter. And then we hear about a new reality show from Nomza Mombata, actress and host of Holiday Swap KZN. Things will get hot there. Um, we don't have a lunch bite for today. As you hear, we've got quite a few guests to talk to. And just to give them quality time, we'll uh, go straight to speaking about the Sunday Times SA Homeowner Special Edition. Otherwise, on SAFM. Interior designer Andrea Kleinloch joins us. She's from Anatomy Designs. And uh, congratulations and welcome, Andrea. I should say. Because, Hi, Thank you. Yeah, the, 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 I haven't seen, I've seen it online and it is absolutely amazing. I must say up front that I get either very depressed sometimes or very inspired when I see these magazines. <laughs> that's, that's probably a common a common um, reaction <laughs> i know because you think oh my goodness the trends have changed already i mean i just had enough of 2014 and i thought i had all the latest things and then of course the changes and you want the next one well, you know, it's so funny. I actually was um, speaking to a colleague yesterday about exactly this thing, but we actually try, it sounds terrible, I'm speaking to you about trends when I avoid them like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, for, for exactly that reason, I think there is a, um, you know, trends are something exactly, we do, the result we don't want is what you're feeling right now, that you maybe missed the boat or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Um, because, so for us, it's actually more about longevity than than a passing trend and even if it was a bad taste passing trend at least you need to be able to laugh about it in the future oh yeah and think you know i and i'll go back to my little corner and i think you know i'm happy here i'm comfortable because <laughs> well, then, then you are the best result we can hope for. <laughs> it represents who i am but is this the first uh, the, i mean this collaboration is seeing its first edition right uh this week is it Yes, I think it's in the Sunday Times this week, or I think it might have been last week. It, sure it might have been on Monday, I think, because yes, I, think I thought, right. why yeah. do they do it on a Monday when I get my paper on a Sunday? That means I'm going to miss it. But oh. but I saw I saw inside. Firstly, before we start talking about trends, and maybe it leads us to that, because the, the, the a home for all seasons is exactly what I think every home ought to be. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think the only way to do that is to enjoy the things that you do collect, so mm. or that you do have passions about. You know, if your passion is is vases, then don't be embarrassed about a trend that passes in terms of a vase. Mm. I think that a home for all seasons is a loved one. That's the bottom line. I think you cannot buy a home for all seasons, in my opinion. You can only collect towards one. Yeah. Now, now, what what should we be looking out for? Because I see a lot more homes are using natural uh, materials. There's a lot of wood being used, um, and and those kinds of things. Yeah, I think I think it's also to do with um, South Africa, and especially the South African, South African design community having access. I mean, the internet is a remarkable thing, and having you know and access to magaz- international magazines that we didn't always have access to. So I think people have, have 
first exposure to international trends, as well as a very fine understanding of what is going on in South Africa, mm. thanks to movements like, I don't know if you know, the Southern Guild um, and and Decorex and you know all these new all, all these trade shows that are bringing and exposing South Africans both to international trends and providing platforms for designers to 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 develop products that are both locally made but also within an international aesthetic. Hmm. So I think that's that's how we are. How, you know, I think that is how we are moving in this country, and it's it's very very exciting to be a designer in South Africa at the moment. Well, I can imagine your work must be very exciting every day because I also see that there's a lot of uh, mix and matching of of antique uh, 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 pieces and 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 mm-hmm. new ones, and and chandeliers are back in all forms and sizes. Precisely, and I think it's exactly as you you hit the nail on the head that. You know, that uh, home for all seasons really is one where people have collected things. So maybe a chandelier isn't in season now, but you found this wonderful one in your grandmother's house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and then you can put it into your bathroom for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are they understanding that uh, there's no real rule to 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 home objects and interior tra- interior accessories. I think the rule is that you need to collect things you feel passionate about. And that you find a quirky home for, and if you're not quirky, then don't you know? Then don't feel the pressure to do it either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a, it's about collection, collecting things, and feeling comfortable with them, you know, and, and some sort of story that a story that it does remind you of. That's the most powerful thing, I think. Now, what are the hot color trends for 2015? You know, I think what's interesting is that we've seen this for a few years, but I think blush tone. So kind of imagine your grandmother's underwear. <laughs> you know, kind of blush, beautiful blush tone um, with beautiful calicos, rich kind of linen textures. Mm. And then you'll see, you'll see a lot of that kind of very neutral blush, natural textures mixed with a timber and as you say, like a raw timber, like an oak. Mm-hmm. And every now and then with a little bit of copper or brass. Yeah. So are, are, are seasonless. The metallics are, are, are around to stay, I think. <laughs> so, so really, it tells me that you, you, one should be able to look back at what uh, the surroundings were when one grew up or granny's home, as you put it, because yeah, a lot of that still yeah. makes a lot of sense today. I think absolutely. I think, and I think there's a lot of, not enough emphasis is placed on resonance. You know, I have many, many things in my house. My parents are both in the medical field that were probably quite abstract and quite bizarre, but you know, that I, that I, I can't imagine life without. So if, you know, if your granny had her big panties hanging on the washing line, <laughs> then something that has resonance, you know, that has a resonance and a bit of humor about it. And I think the seasons do, do have those identifying trends. Like a lot of people might have had twitchy coughs in their homes, mm. and you'll find a lot of people are painting their, their feature walls in their homes an amazing teal blue or an incredible emerald green or ochres because there is that resonance, that memory that, um, that it, sh- it should kind of sing to you. And you'll find that's how, how trends are actually developed. If someone remembered something wonderful and other people had something similar and, they, and then a trend suddenly kind of picks up from there. Now let's go outside for a bit because, you know, it, depending on the space you live in, it, it could extend the size of your home. Uh, uh, bringing in the outdoors, if you like. Um, mm. How does one do that, and how important is it? And how does one inexpensively extend, for instance, their entertainment area uh, to mm. the outside? I think there's a variety of ways, and I think that is very much the way people are living. You know, I think we're not so much 
internal anymore. We're trying to bring a little bit of nature and greenery in. In the last kind of 10 years, we've seen a remarkable um, focus towards green walls and urban planting and urban parks. And how people have at a variety of, of um, sources, little herb gardens, you know, little grow at home herb gardens mm. in a spot in your house that gets enough sun is definitely one. A lot of people look at things like terrariums that are kind of <laughs> foolproof in terms of <laughs> little others will survive and as long as they get a little bit of water and a lot of sun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely people looking at plants, plants or walls. There's a wonderful South African designer called Joe Payne who's been doing a lot of um, plants or walls for a few years. And I think, you know, there's all sorts of ways that people are feeling to bring, you know, needing to bring greenery in. And I think having a bit of life in your house, whether it's fresh cut flowers or, you know, the aloe that's been around for months, um, I think it really just gives your home a bit of life as opposed to feeling, feeling a bit kind of empty. And you'll see, you know, if you, can't, if you don't have the patience and the energy for a terrarium, which is a beautiful glass structure with some aloes in it, fresh cut flowers does the same thing. It just makes a home feel lived in and cared for. And I think that is that is the, the you know the the main the main point of it all. Andrea, the colours for homes, you know, wall colours outside. I know for for a while we've had a trend of these kind of Roman looking beiges and 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 yeah. creams and those kinds of things. But I uh, one house stood out for me um, some time ago. It was in Johannesburg, but it was painted black on the outside the walls, and it looked absolutely fantastic and i saw in your magazine i wasn't quite sure of the color of this home that's featured but it seemed like a very dark color and i i think it 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 really works is that becoming a trend at all absolutely i mean i think again you get trained for different types of personalities (laughs) it sounds sounds quite bizarre but you have people that won't be happy in a dark moody home I mean, just, just don't do it. <laughs> you know, so for some people, it might be it might be too dark and too moody, and they prefer a lighter, brighter home. But, mm. um, you know, I, there's certainly, certainly some remarkable charcoals, and even a pitch black blackboard paint wall mm-hmm. in a kitchen is plenty of fun. And even in the bedroom, it's plenty of fun. So I think, again, if, if you're if you're if you're comfortable with charcoals and blacks and and kind of interesting tones. Uh, a, a way to go is certainly to, to paint a wall black or even a dark charcoal, even an incredible dark um, bottle green that can be almost mistaken for a black. As soon as light falls on it, you'll see that the um, that color will come alive. So I think there is certainly, a, again, I, I, I avoid the word trend. There's certainly <laughs> a movement towards accepting lots of different varieties. Mm. You know, some people will never, ever be comfortable with a, with a contemporary dark wall in their home. I mean, don't rather don't do it. Stick to the beautiful beiges and creams. Um, in my in my opinion, it's about your comfort in that space. Try and actually don't try and follow a trend. It might come back to back in the bum. <laughs> my favorite is still a, a red front door for some reason or other. Oh, I think I love so red. Yeah, that's that's fabulous. So how how fantastic! <laughs> and if you paint your front door red, how exciting! <laughs> Maybe and just for just, trend, I can promise you. just for Valentine's, we can have it read for the month. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, so when do we get where do we get this magazine? Is it going to be a, a, a weekly, monthly feature? What what's going on? Well, I think it's, I think it's literally just a, a feature that's done in, in South African homeowner. Um, it's a special edition for January, and mm-hmm. it's been released this month. I think it's also on the Sunday Times. Um, web magazine if people want to access it online mm-hmm. and there's a really nice article they've interviewed a bunch of other um, interior architects and designers and um, 
discussing trends, but you, what you will find about a lot of them is that everybody seems to be avoiding the word trend <laughs> as opposed to, as a, you know, as opposed to making it a short lifespan. I think the most important thing to be learned from all of, all of this is to, to love the home you're in, whether it's in trend or on trend or not. What's your favorite piece at the moment? Oh, don't ask that. <laughs> That's the most horrible question. <laughs> I know, I know. It depends on what your client wants. That's what you must say. No, and, well, you know, my personal thing, I've just, and sorry, this has literally arrived today. We've released, released the most beautiful um, posters from a company called um, Seven Swans. Um, these really, really beautiful quotes that have been embossed in copper onto beautiful paper. Mm-hmm. And the one, the one quote they've said is, Speak the truth even when your voice is shaking. Oh, so fantastic. Thank you for me currently, it's just resonating. Speak the truth even when your voice is shaking. So you, it's, from a, yeah, it's available from our store, but it's from a, a, a fantastic set of designers called Seven Swan. Beautiful. Give us your website, please, Andrea. www.anatomydesign.co.ca. And that's anatomy like the human anatomy. Not, but you're not design bodies, right? Why don't we not? You don't so design, design bodies. bodies but you will, you'll be surprised how much spam we get for, for, for medical equipment. <laughs> take care and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining Thank you. us. Thank you, Shadow. You take care. Bye-bye. Anatomydesigns.co.za. And, uh, that, well, they don't call them trends anymore, but, you know, go with what you feel. I'm very excited to be speaking with uh, Marcelo Modana who's playing, uh, uh, she'll take us into her journey uh, and, and, you know, into the memory of, of South African music and musicians. And uh, her show is called Nkilo Nkilo, where she's backed by a live band. And she joins me after this.
Kilonkilo, of course, of a little bird. It's a South African classic, written by Alan Selinga, specifically for Miriam Makeba, who's just performed it now. And she first recorded it with the Manhattan Brothers in 1954. And since then, every musician worth his salt has included the song in their repertoire. And today we welcome Masilo, Masilo Madonna. And she takes us down memory lane in her tribute to South African music and in Kilo and Kilo. Masilo, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on this piece. Thank you very much, Sister Shadow. I know these newspapers, they like to table our. Okay. Welcome and, and listen, you, you have a very strong passion about about South Africa, about the country, about the continent in fact. But also you you know, South African music means a lot to you. Tell us why. Um, music has a very important role to play in how we grow up and how we communicate. And I realized that all my strongest memories that made me proud to be a South African, if you take it like that, had a lot to do with music. Mm -hmm. And I started asking people, what are our standards? And everyone, Njilo Njilo was the one song that everyone agreed on. Mm -hmm. That's why we called the show Njilo Njilo. So they would say Njilo Njilo, we can special and nothing else. But if you ask about American standards, the list fills up in two minutes. So I, I realize that we've got a, a, a lack of collective understanding of what our standards are. So that's why I pursued rearranging them, not only just collecting the tunes, but also rearranging them. Mm. How far did you go, you know, as far as your research and digging is, is concerned? Because I, I know there's a wealth of music and I know that a lot of it has not been documented or, mm. or you know, even celebrated. And other people, for instance, when uh, Paolo Jordan was the Minister of Arts and Culture, he had to go and rescue Mbube from other people in Europe, you know, yeah. who had owned the song. So mm. uh, how far did you go and what did you find? Um, instead of a scholastic approach, I went via the social history route of going into collective memory mm-hmm. rather than looking it up in a book. Mm-hmm. It so actually doesn't exist in a book, most of it. It doesn't. Even if you go online now, you can find the titles, but when you go into the actual site, it says, oops, there's no lyrics for this. Oops, there's no song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. The, 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 how I compiled the song was looking back at my own family's lifeline. So from Silang Mabele, which is the oldest song in my family's memory, mm. before there were borders and everything, up to Jezebel, which is a Devon House song. So I had to choose songs that highlighted decades. So the first set of the show is cross-generational memories. Mm. Because the way we grew up was Okala no Koko, no Ma, no Malume. So we live in such confined spaces that you you don't get to choose your own playlist until you're at your own house. Of you know? <laughs> but you are forced to love music because your uncle, or even if it's not your uncle, or uncle was the next door, that's mm. playing the music so loud. Mm-hmm. We, we get um, into music very early, and I don't think we realize how, how much of it forms our social fabric. The people you spoke to, um, were they people in, 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 in Johannesburg and Gauteng only, or did you go further than that? 
Um, I started the project just before I moved to Cape Town, and I've just moved back to Joburg. And but it had been a long-standing conversation with a lot of people. So mm-hmm. it was collectors, lecturers, students, and people who just say they love music. Mm-hmm. But there still wasn't this collective under like a proper understanding between us of if we had to choose songs that represented us, what would they be? Which is why I went to the route of tapping into collective township memory, which is a specific memory. I'm not claiming to represent a South African memory. Mm. I grew up in a township. Mm, mm. I am accessing township memories through music. Now, between Salang Mabele and Jezebel, I, I want to believe that there were some struggle songs in between. Of course. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I can't put all of them. If it was up to me, I would have done that catalog first. But we ended up taking Tina Caesar in Midlands. As, as as the struggle songs? Yes, because they were responding to... It's, it's the part in the show where we're talking about um, negotiating space and any evictions. Mm-hmm. So then it, those, the, the Tina Caesar is a response to the 1913 Land Act. And Netherlands, it's, it's a response to the various group areas acts. Um, how how long is your performance? It's an hour and twenty minutes. It's, it's, it's story and song, and yeah, story and song for an hour and twenty minutes. And who's your live band? I have the most topest musicians on keys. I have Busiso PhD Jamini, and then I have Senzo Numalo on bass, Keforofile Machatla on drums. And Tukulwe uh, Mokiti on guitar and Muholim Goma on backing vocals. Wow. <laughs> so these are like the, it's really, I, I, I'm, I'm so lucky to find these guys. They are, they, they just bring a beautiful element to the story. Now, you and I have discussed the fact that th- this music is not written anyway. It's not documented by any means. And I'm, I'm sure there's a Brenda Fassi somewhere in there as well. Um, but what's going to happen after Nkilo Nkilo? Is there is there going to be kind of a live document that exists for people to contribute so that we grow this and 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 and, and people learn about what you found? Because it would be it would be a shame if just your findings become Kilo Nkilo and then they disappear. They, I think they need to well, live this somewhere. This is Nkilo Nkilo Volume One, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's an independent project, so I can only go so far mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? but shooting a DVD in Pemba which is in what used to be called well what is called Hamanskara we went to perform there mm-hmm. and the residents were quick to say we don't want to be called Hamanskara and told us the backstory of that so we're going to shoot a DVD from Chilon Chilo Volume 1 at the end of the month and start distributing it at our live shows mm-hmm. and then we'll be now going into looking for material for volume two and so i mean we haven't even touched in this edition we haven't touched dark city sisters soul brothers Stimela. there's so much that we haven't done but, but I keep you know it's just a basic it's just a, a tap like okay if you had to choose overall these would be the songs that would go into it. I hope Volume 2 has some Bra Gibson Cantor's music as well because it was a very integral part of 
of uh, you know it was it was a, a protest voice at the time I think mm. as mm. far as as far mm. as township theatre plus music mm. you know that existed so I, I think you I'm glad you've got a volume two and I think it's going to be more than volume ten eventually because this yeah so no it it is it is it's a very very mammoth <laughs> project but we just thought okay for volume one let's stick with what we have. And we it. want to bring back the culture of, of, of live music. That's why we're not making it an album. There's lots of people who record albums in South Africa, but the radio doesn't play our music and people don't buy it. Well, so rather we bring back. For me, it's more important to have an engagement with people. Fantastic. So when's the show? Where? How do we get there, etc.? Um, we had our first show at African Freedom Station yesterday. We've got two more Thursdays. So next week, Thursday, mm-hmm. and the following Thursday, that's in West Dean, Sophia Town, African Freedom Station. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow, we are at Trackside Live, which is a live venue next to Pefeni Station. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and then the the week of the 21st and the 22nd, the 21st, we are at Uda Space and Sunnyside in Pretoria. And the 22nd, we're at Afrozwanaka Book Cafe in Soshangule. Bona, is there a website? Is there a Facebook page? What's there for people to we keep in fa- touch? We have, a fa- we have a Facebook page called Njilonjilo, a vocal museum. Okay, lovely. Yeah, and there we, are, we update a lot on the new dates. And our strength is to put the music together, you know, so if promoters can get hold of us, especially people that are not in the commercial metros, mm-hmm. you know, places that are not where people don't have access to live music. We, are, we really, really want to take this show to the people. I thank you so much for bringing it on and, and we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully, as, as, as the show becomes more popular. Well, oh, we're coming, to, we're coming to Cape Town in March. I'll send you an invite. We're doing a session at the Red Bull Studios. Fantastic. Thank you yeah, so much cool. for talking to us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marcelo Modana. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. That's Marcelo Mutana. And, um, yeah, go on Facebook. You'll find them there. Kilo and Kilo um, is, is, is the name of the show. Otherwise, on SAFM. Weather, the weather is gorgeous. We're going outside, and we now need the seasons are changing soon, and now we need to get growing for winter, believe it or not. And my favorite gardener and television producer, writer, artist, author, uh, Jane Griffith joins me. Jane, welcome. Cong- uh, happy is no, I don't say happy new year anymore. It's, it's February. Right? I know we can't. We Hello, can't. We How can't. are you? I'm good in you. I know it's February already. Can you believe it? <gasps> And you know, I must say, we have the best, most beautiful weather in Cape Town in February. That's the best time. So next time you want to come on holiday in, 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 to Cape Town, wait for February. Come in February. Then all the, everyone, the tourists have all left and the weather has, has settled down a little. Well, the tourists know better than you. They're still here. <laughs> <laughs> they are still here and coming in droves. Well, that's good for Cape Town. <laughs> it is. It is. But also, I, I, I love the fact that everything is lush and green and is looking... All my herbs are, are responding properly. Before we even get to what we ought to be doing today, I'm going to be very selfish and ask you a personal question about my, my, um, oh gosh, now why, why am I forgetting that? My it's pepper private. juice, pepper juice, pepper juice, pepper ah, juice. Ah, mm. yes, pepper juice. What's they, happening? They, they green, the wind has gotten a, a bit of them a bit. Uh, they're green and they're growing very nicely. Uh, what do I do when they ripe and, and what do I do with them? 
Do you want to know what to do, what to make with them, what, or when what to I harvest make, them? When, when to harvest, First. and and what to what to make with well, them? Well, for me, I I like harvesting all chilies when when they're ripe and fully. They taste better then. If you harvest them when they're green, there's kind of a raw taste, and a lot of people can react to that as well. It doesn't mm. it, it can give you indigestion. Uh, wait until they're fully ripened to their lovely red colour. And one of my favorite things that I do with, with a lot of chilies is to combine the hot and the sweet. Mm. Um, and, and to do that, I make a chili jelly. Mm. And it's, it's actually a very simple recipe. The only thing that you have to do is chili, to, to make something gel, you need pectin. That's that's the, the thing that makes makes jams gel. You know, if you make apricot jam, you don't have to really add anything to it other than sugar and apricots, mm -hmm. because apricots are full of pectin. Chilies don't have any pectin in them, so if you want them to gel to make them into a jelly or kind of a chili jam, mm -hmm. you need to add sugar, and then you need to add lemon juice and also some lemon pips because lemon pips are full of pectin. But you don't want lemon pips floating around in your jelly, so put them into a little one of those tea strainers. You know those tea strainers yeah, yeah, that you yeah. use. Mm -hmm. Pop them in there. Take a whole lot of lemon pips. Put them in there. Add a couple of, chop up all your chilies, add a bit of vinegar, let the chilies, cook the, the chilies, the, the pepper juice a little bit in, in vinegar to soften them. Mm -hmm. And then add some sugar and a bit of, bit of water and then cook it all up with the lemon juice until it starts thickening. And, and you can test it by putting a little bit of a blob into cold water, a little bit of cold water in a saucer. And that cools it down quickly. And if you push it with your finger and it starts kind of wrinkling, you'll know it's about to set. And then you pour it into sterilized jars and I tell you that is the most fabulous thing with with cream cheese on a croissant for breakfast <laughs> oh <laughs> now tell me tell me this recipe is in your book one of it your books is, it is in jane's delicious kitchen and okay. it's one of the recipes that i'm um i have i think it might be on my website if not i should put it on my website because it's a very popular one i mean my friends used to ask me i'd be away overseas for a couple of months and i'd come back and they'd hardly even say hello before they were saying oh good you're back are you going to make some chili jelly <laughs> Like, yeah, it's good to see you too. <laughs> they sound like me. Every time when I have an opportunity to talk to you, I think, oh, I must ask her this first you know, <laughs> before I forget. But I, then also with pepper dews, you know, another thing, because pepper dews do give a big harvest. There's a, there are yes, a lot that come yes, off the bush. Yes. Chilies dry very well. You you just need to put them on somewhere where there's good air circulation. You don't want to put them in the direct sunlight. And be careful of bugs flying around them. Uh, you just want to dry them out. And as soon as they're dry, you can then use them in pests in rubs in you can crumble them uh you can do all sorts of things with them and it's a very good way of preserving them and keeping them you know going right the way so you've got chili right the way through winter that's fantastic so what should we be doing now the season's almost changing summer's well, out the way it's it's it, it is a ridiculous thing to be thinking of as we sort of jumping in and out of pools to keep cool in this hot weather mm. but we do have to start thinking about winter right now and the the reason is is because a lot of the winter crops, things like broccoli, cauliflowers, uh, especially all the ones that form heads, mm -hmm. they all take a long time to grow. From seed through to harvest can take five to six months for wow. a cauliflower or broccoli to produce its head. And they produce the sweetest and the biggest and the best heads during the coldest months. Okay. So that means kind of June, July. Therefore, that means we need to start getting those seeds 
into the seed trays now. Most of us in, with small gardens, we're not going to have room at the moment, whilst gardens should be producing abundantly with loads of summer stuff, all your eggplants, your tomatoes, your mm. chilies, your pepper dews. Those are all taking up all the space and, and more than their space. So there's no room in our vegetable gardens to plant those. So it makes sense to plant all your seed, your, seed, your seeds, your broccoli and cauliflower in seed trays. You can keep them in a separate part of the garden, keep them somewhere where you're going to see them all the time so you water them. And I've, what I've started doing is I actually have a separate container. It's um, from the Urban Box, and it's a, it's a lovely box that you can move around. You can resize it. You can put it on wheels so that you can move it into the slightly shady area if you need. And I've allocated one of those to be my seedling bed. Okay. So what I'd, I've already got, well, I've got a whole lot of broccoli and cauliflower, and you can, because you're only planting them as seedlings, you can plant them quite close together. They don't need all that space because they're not going to grow big in that box. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you can grow them on, you can pamper them. That's your nursery bed. So you can pamper them and feed them and make sure they're not being eaten by hohos. And then as soon as you start getting taking your your, caulif- your summer crops out, which will start happening, some of them are going to be over. As soon as you've finished harvesting all the eggplants off your eggplants bush and nothing more is producing, or if something gets knocked out by disease, mm. you've got your nice seedling ready to replace, put a winter seedling right in its place. So what are we talking about? Broccoli, cauliflower, what else? Um, your Brussels sprouts, mm. cabbages. Ah. Those those are the main ones. And you know, the, the, the lovely thing about, about when you say cauliflower and, and, and broccoli, there's so many different varieties that you can get these days. Mm-hmm. You can get purple broccoli. Huh. You know, you can get uh, Romanesco uh, cauliflower, which is like a green spiral cauliflower. So don't just think of planting kind of one type of white cauliflower. Go and have a look at some of the heirloom seed companies on my website, Jane's Delicious Garden. I have a, a links page there of... of all the seed companies that that in South Africa that are selling heirloom mm-hmm. uh, seeds and all these wonderful varieties. So order some of those quickly now and, and, and get planting. And then short-term winter season crops or, or cooler season crops that can start going in in a couple of weeks' time as well is um, things like beetroot, mm-hmm. um, uh, Asian greens, things like bok choy. Those, those are some winter ones. You need to wait a little bit, especially you guys, you have you know, I think February is quite a hot month still for yes, you. So yes. those are quite quick turnaround ones. And you've actually got room. We've all got room, time now for a few short-term summer crops. If you have had to pull some, some things out, you can pop in some bush beans. Bush beans, they, they bear a lot quicker than your, your climbing beans. And you'll be able to put some, you'll be able to get some of those Swiss chard for greens. Um, another lovely winter one that you can start putting into seed trays is also kale, very nutritious one. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of those you can start putting in at the moment into your seed trays. Jane, lastly, but my coriander is flowering. Oh, yes, it will. <laughs> it, it, is, it is that time. Huh? Coriander does flower. You know, coriander is one of the quickest bolting, going, going to seed herbs that there is. Um, the, the nice thing about coriander bolting is that leave it to flower. Mm. Number, number one, you're gonna, if you go out and have a look at your, your coriander and it's busy flowering, you'll see these tiny little hoverflies flying around it. You'll, you might see some bees coming to it, but particularly hoverflies, the flowers are very small and, and it, it attracts those beneficial insects. Hoverflies come in and they'll eat white, they'll eat other insects that we don't want. And then those little flowers are going to turn into coriander seeds.
Oh, okay. And those tiny little green coriander seeds, those little balls, are the most amazing flavor. They're a combination of the green leaf and the dry seed. And that's another thing that we need to look at doing when to, to what you should have so that you can leave your coriander to flower and give you the nice seeds, but you also want the leaves because the minute it flowers, it stops producing all the nice leafy greens. When you transplanted that coriander or when you sowed the seeds, you should have a couple of weeks later, two to three weeks later, done another lot. And that's a succession sowing and succession transplanting means that we get a steady supply. So as soon as something does go to seed, you've got another one coming along to take its place. I so love talking to you. We'll talk to you again soon, but we'll we'll direct everyone to your website. Enjoy and your glorious summer. Thank you so much, and you too. We'll talk again soon, Jane. Lots of love. Bye-bye. 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 Uh, Jane's Delic- Delicious Garden is the website, and uh, go there, you know, and, and get the, the, the best advice you need as far as uh, growing your own food, and I'm, I'm enjoying it at the moment. And, you know, I learned slowly, slowly, but I'm enjoying it. Um, Otherwise, on SAFM.